Good afternoon and welcome to Writers Roundtable. I'm your host, Karen Vaughn, and get ready for an hour of fun talk about books and all things writing. It's fall and pumpkin spice is in the air. This month I have the pleasure of chatting with one of my favorite people, Delaney Oates. Maurice Houston is back, and her latest adventure in Room 403 will keep the readers on the edge of their seat. Delaney and I will talk, also be talking about all things writing, so grab your favorite beverage and settle in for a great time. Before I introduce Delaney, though, I'd like to introduce my sidekick, the lady behind the control, Christina Jaguer. Hello, Christina. Can you tell everybody about yourself? Sure. Um, like everybody else here, I'm an author. Um, I write under the name of Rachel Rubin. Um, my my website is called writingbytheseatofmypants.com. I blog there about publishing, writing, and all things writerly. And um, I have a free book available over there called How to Self-Publish a Book, a Resource Guide for Beginners. Um, you can download that for free. Um, you don't have to opt in with your email. It's just no strings attached. And it's just a book of resources and a few tips here and there. Um, also, I um, live blog a thriller. I used to call it a romance novel, but I'm not so sure anymore. Um, it's called Food Delta. And um, on the second of every month, I live blog this story at the Books and Entertainment dot no um, Books and Entertainment Network dot WordPress dot com site. If you want to. Um, see book well it's a trilogy it was supposed to be a three book series but um i don't know now so i'm on book two it might go up to four or five i don't know it's getting really crazy but um if you want to check that out um I, i'm under the name of rachel rubin and um it's books and entertainment network wordpress.com there you go very good thank you and now my guest delaney oaks well, hey there. Hey, of course. The second I open my mouth, I start coughing. <laughs> oh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I'm an author of mostly romantic suspense uh, stories. I do branch out into regular romance, retro romance, sci-fi romance, um, are we noticing a theme here? <laughs> I do fantasy <laughs> and a lot of other things, but they all have a little element of romance. And as you mentioned before, my latest book is Room 403, the fourth one in the Mary's Houston Mystery Series. Yes, that was one of my favorites of the series. It kept me on the edge of my seat, like I said in the promo. Um, mm-hmm. I just and the nice little surprise that she got in the story. We're not going to spoil that for the readers. Let them pick up the book and find out for themselves. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed this. I'm so I'm glad. Five hundred three. Well, room five hundred three is actually finished. I'm not exactly sure oh, when I'm going to get it out. I I'm wondering if I need something else between 403 and 503 because 503 picks up in a particular place and I feel like there's kind of a big gap there, but it might be all right. I'll just have to do some thinking about it. Um, 
Maryse has also. Why? You need a mini mystery. Yeah, and, and I might I'm do that. Doing? Yeah. <clears throat> I might I might do a little short something in there because um, Maryse is actually um, crossed. She's crossed over into a couple of books that I have set um, in the city that I made up. Um, somewhere up north, I'm not real specific about it, and uh, the first book in the series is complete, and it introduces this really cool new character named Russell Cavanaugh, who's a a police detective in Homicide, and he's just a really cool character, and he gets involved in something, sort of a rear window kind of affair, where he sees something and he's part of something that um, uh, gets out of hand rapidly. But fortunately, he has the the facilities to cope with it. But she crosses over into a couple of books with him, and they're not done. So I may just make a couple short stories featuring the two of them and then move on to room 503 and publish it. I haven't entirely decided. Um, The book with Russell is called Trifecta, and I may, it's very short, it's more of a novella, and I may um, write the other two to go along with that and publish them all together. I I just haven't entirely made up my mind, but it'd be kind of important for people to know who he is and why he gets into room 503. Because <clears throat> otherwise, right. there's no explanation. <laughs> right, right. Yes. Um, so, what what was the whole premise, the whole idea between the the O three series? What what started it? Um, I was actually staying. My mother uh, lived in this small town in Kansas. Uh, in Girard, Kansas. She was at a nursing home there to be near my sister. And I would stay in the the next town over because there were no motels in Girard. I would stay in Pittsburgh, Kansas, which is maybe 20 miles away, at this little motel right on the main drag. It's the first motel as you drive into town. And I was walking back from breakfast one day, and I noticed that the room number over the um, owner's apartment was room 103. And I I looked at that, and I thought, I wonder what room 101 and 102 are. And it just kind of got stuck in my head. And then I got this idea for um, someone in law enforcement to meet someone with a small motel in Pittsburgh, because that's where I was. And I was going to have it be the, you know, the woman owning the motel and the man in law enforcement. And then I thought, no, why can't I just reverse that? She's in law enforcement. And he owns the motel and go from there. And I just got this idea and um, I spent a lot of time by myself because my sister was working. My mother was only really able to communicate and, and uh, have a good time for a short time. So I spent a lot of time by myself. So I had my laptop with me, and I sat down and started typing this story, and I called it Room 103. And that's where I introduced the character of Todd England and Mary Houston, and I had originally intended for them to get together. 
and then it just didn't do that. <laughs> it just didn't happen that way. Um, she instead hooked up with an old college boyfriend, and that was it. Maurice and Chris were together. I couldn't, I couldn't make her fall for Todd. It, it just it spun wildly out of control, but in a very good way. So I just had this wonderful character, and I kept getting ideas, um, mostly when I'd go up there to visit. Because, again, like I said, I spent a lot of quiet time in my own company. Um, So that's what initiated the first two books from 103 and 203. And then 303 just kind of came to me out of the blue. And then 403, um, I grew up in western Nebraska. And I haven't lived there for, you know, 45 years or something but I grew up in western Nebraska, and Scott's Bluff is the biggest thing in the panhandle. And I thought, well, you know, she, she lives in Kansas. Why wouldn't she do a prisoner transport back to Scott's Bluff? And it just sort of came out. It just evolved and became this thing. And that, that's what uh, Room 403 is. Yeah. <clears throat> Yes, very good. And I would highly recommend it to anybody listening. Um, I know that you listen to music when you write. Yes. And what music did you listen to for Room 103 while you were writing it? Oh, man, that is long enough ago. I'm not 100% sure. I, I really have been in the last 10 years or so revisiting um, blues because that oh. was – my my first true love as other than um other than classical music which is what my parents listened to exclusively and i grew up with that and then one of my dad's students gave him jimi hendrix axis boldest love so i'm introduced to this blues rich hard rock music at the tender age of 9 Wow. And I was I was hit. I was struck with that. And so I've just been kind of going back to that and revisiting that and thinking, you know, I really loved Hendrix had heavy blues influence, Led Zeppelin and all these other bands. I even the Beatles had a lot of blues influence. So I've gone yeah, back right. and and uh, revisited all these, and that's probably what I was listening to. I'm not 100% sure, but that feels like the right the right thing, that I was probably listening to that. Yeah. Um, now, if you were to have... One of the May Reese Houston books turned into a movie. Uh-huh. Who would you cast as May Reese? Oh, I have always, since the beginning, seen uh, Sasha Alexander as May Reese. Um, my original incarnation in my head was uh, Cote de Pablo, but it just all of a sudden it just clicked over and I started seeing Sasha Alexander and I couldn't get her out of my head. So she is May Reese. Um, 
Chris, oh, what is his name? He played, um, he played Tim in Justified. Jacob something, I can't remember his last name right now. But he is Chris. And then Todd um, is the, oh, Tom from Blacklist. Also can't remember his name. <laughs> it's Tom something. Um, Did he play um, the girl's husband? Yes. Yeah, that's the guy that plays her husband, Ryan Agold. That's who it is. Ryan Agold. I see him as Todd and um, oh, Jacob. What is his last name? I'm, I'm looking it up as as we speak because I need to know because this is going to bug me. Um, oh, Ryan. Ryan Agold, he's the guy that plays Mask, uh, Max on um, New Amsterdam, right? Yes, yes, same actor. Oh, mm-hmm. Jacob Pitts that plays Tim Gutterson in Justified. That's Chris. And um, then her really unique and wonderful boss, um, Alvin Ripley, is... Uh, also, I pulled him also from Justified. You know, Nick Searcy that plays um, their boss, Art, that's Al. That is Alvin Ripley right there. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, that's, I mean, they're all getting a little old for the part, but still. Well, I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. No, I, I've never watched Justified, but I trust you in your choices. Oh, you, you would like Justified. So. Yeah. Do you have a writing routine as you're writing any, like, does it change from whatever book you're writing? Do you write at different times of the day, or do you strictly stick to the I, midnight animal um, kind of? I don't really have um, a schedule per se. I just sit down and I fit it in when I can. Um, we now have my son and his fiance and their baby living with us. So life, I tend to um, write late at night, like you were saying, because then everything's quiet. And I've always been more prone to that. Well, I'm not a, I'm not a morning person. I like, you know, midnight to two is my favorite time to sit down and write. And uh, so that's what I do a lot. Um, but other times, like during NaNoWriMo, I will sit down and snag five minutes here and there, however long I can actually sit down and have a, a concentrated time for writing. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm not one of those people that, oh, it's 10 o'clock on Monday morning. I must sit down and write. I, I'm not like that. I don't have a schedule. Just do it when you can. And a lot of the people I talk to, just say, I grab whatever time comes to me. If I got five minutes here, five minutes there, that's when uh-huh. I do it. Even if yep. you're just writing down one or two sentences, that's going to pull one scene together with the next scene. Right. You know, exactly. You've done mm-hmm. new things for the day. Um, yeah. One thing I'm proposing, we have a group of ladies that you're included in as mm-hmm. uh, having write-ins and word wars for NaNoWriMo. Oh. Now, you'd be more than welcome to join us. Thank you. I just always forget. I know that the, that we have them, but I forget to get in there. Um, 
but just remind me because I will get there eventually. You know, it sometimes mm-hmm. just takes me a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I will send you reminders. Don't worry. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Yeah. No, it's just it's. I belong to a formal NaNoWriMo group, so I'll be doing write-ins with them as well. But I thought our international ladies who write would like to have a chance to participate in NaNoWriMo as well. Yeah. And write in on, a, say, a different day than I would be doing my other ones. Mm-hmm. I think that yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. I'm, I'm usually mm-hmm. a very much sit-on-my-own-and-write kind of person. But I used to go when we would do when I first started doing NaNoWriMo years ago, we had a very active group in the Daytona area, and I would um, I would drive up there. We'd meet either at Pantera in or not Pantera Panera in uh, Port Orange or uh, Daytona, and we'd sit there and drink coffee and eat croissants and write, and that was so much fun. We just had a blast, and we would challenge each other by you know asking. Um, giving each other uh, words to include or situations to include. And uh, one year it was, we, we were challenged to use the word raccoon nook keeper. Oh. It's all one that word. That would be interesting. <laughs> and I did it. It was, it was real contrived, but I did do it. Um, and another year... Um, we had things like um, mathematically inclined gnomes, uh, dwarves spreading peanut butter, um, cheer wine, diet cheer wine, and something or other else. And I was so proud of myself because all these different challenges I summed up in one paragraph. I was so (laughs) proud. Oh, that's so cool. Well, they had given the challenge, and I was already almost done, and there was nowhere else to put it within the story. So I just went back to a scene where it would fit, and I got the the mathematically inclined gnomes, the dwarfs, and the peanut butter, the diet cheer wine, and whatever all else, all in this one little scene. <laughs> it was priceless. <laughs> I was so proud of myself. I knew you could do it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, There's a question in the chat room, and we'll get to that, and then we'll have you read a little bit from 403. Okay. Okay. Um, Claire in the chat room wants to know how you find inspiration for your writing. Oh, that's a really good question, Claire. Thank you. Um, I have found, well, like I said, with room uh, 103, well, she may not have been listening in at that point, but with room 103, it was the oddity of seeing the room number over the um, the owner's apartment at the motel and having this question in my head of where room 101 and 102 were. And then um, from there, it just happened. Um, other stories, I had one story that I wrote back in college that was inspired by a mud puddle because it looked like somebody had a cup of creamy coffee and um, a car went through it and had these swirls of lighter mud in the puddle. So there was that. Um, basically, I can get inspiration from anywhere. 
It can be a, a line in a song or some conversation that I have with somebody or something that I overhear. Um, my my NaNoWriMo last year called Underneath about this prolific serial killer um, starts with this scene where the, the main character finds a, a lizard that's been closed in her truck door and it cut its head off. And that was... That happened to me. Uh, the truck door had gotten shut on this lizard and cut off its head, and it was really, really gross. <laughs> and so I, I th- my, the opening line of the story was, the lizard didn't deserve to be decapitated. <laughs> and it just went from there. So it can literally be anything, anywhere, at any time that sets off a story. Wow, Yeah. So you must keep a notebook with you with all time. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I get them written down. Other times it occurs to me like 4 o'clock in the morning I wake up to go to the bathroom and I have this idea and there's no place to write it down. I think, oh, I'll remember the morning. I never do. I never remember anything. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so would you like to read from 403? Sure. <clears throat> I'm just going to do a short, uh, this is the first uh, first few pages from um, the first chapter, and it just sort of sets the scene of where they're going and what they're doing. And um, all but one of the uh, the room books have, are written in first uh, person with May Reese narrating. Room 303 is not because I wanted to um, do some things with Todd, and I couldn't do that from May Reese's perspective because they're not together. So this is uh, the first, I think, four pages of Room 403. It's two days before Christmas. Am I at home enjoying a roaring fire, hot toddies, and a snuggle with my honey? No. I'm slogging across Nebraska in a van which refuses to go over 55 miles an hour with Arnie French and Butch Davis. We're transporting a prisoner from Kansas City, Missouri, to some backwater town in western Nebraska. The weather outside is frightful, and I'm not just quoting the song, which is currently playing, It's 10 below with a 20 below wind chill factor, near blizzard conditions, and nowhere to stop. Past was Oshkosh, which isn't nearly as impressive as it sounds. The sign said it had a population of 832. Because of the weather, we couldn't even see it from the road. Here we go, praying we won't go off in a ditch. At least we're close to our destination, Scott's Bluff. Where the hell is that anyway? Not quite as dismal as some other spots we could be, but I'd far rather be home. Did I mention that Arnie is insisting upon listening to Christmas music? Not the good stuff, okay. He's got on the Christmas hits of Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra. While I like their voices, I'm not a huge fan of White Christmas, and if I have to hear Rudy the Red-Nosed Reindeer again, I might have to kill someone. What's got you so uptight? The prisoner, some baby-staced, cold-blooded killer, asked me, for the seventeenth time, I might add. No talking, inmate, I snarled. 
Just trying to be friendly, he moped. I don't do friendly with a criminal, I replied. Be quiet. I need to rock a piss. Do you see a place to stop, Butch asked. I don't know about you, but I'm not getting out the van to piss in the snow. It's 20 below. You want to freeze it off? The prisoner squirmed. I gotta go. Butch, who was driving, rolled his eyes at me. I was riding shotgun. Arnie drew the short straw and was in the back with the prisoner. I really didn't want to stop, not just because of the security issues, but because it was my turn in the back next, and the prisoner had IBS with the worst-smelling gas I've ever encountered. I nearly lost my lunch because of it. It was bad enough up front. In back, it was lethal. Anything on the GPS, Arnie asked, because now he mentions it. God, you men, such babies. You can't hold it until we get there. Not all of us have a steel-clad bladder, Deputy Houston. I know better than to have three cups of coffee with breakfast and two glasses of Coke with lunch. I turned off the music, followed by much protest. If I have to listen to you complain about having to pee, I'm not going to have Frosty the Snowman as an accompaniment. I'm senior on this gig, and I've been nice so far. The prisoner, a kid named Regis Fife, snorted, Nice, ha, bitches more like. Arnie leaned close, but still out of reach. Need I remind you that Deputy Houston is not in a good mood right now, and she's a crack shot. Best I've seen, Butch added. And you're pissing her off, so keep your yap shut, Arnie concluded. I apologize, ma'am. If we could arrange a restroom, I'll see what I can find. I want a secure location, I replied, slightly mollified by his apology. Looks like a highway patrol office in 20 miles, I said, after consulting our GPS. I'll give them a call. I'd as soon get off the road anyway, Butch said. This is getting bad, Ms. Houston. He'd almost called me by my first name. We try to avoid any personal details in front of prisoners. Butch, Arnie, and I have worked together a long time. Not only that... Butch and I were beneficial friends on and off for years. Until I got with Chris, we spent a lot of quality time together. Taking the nearly, uh, nearly obscured exit slowly, he eased off the gas without touching the brakes right away. We were in the middle of nowhere, so he didn't even stop at the snow-crested sign at the bottom of the off-ramp. Making an easy, wide ride, he trundled along a few miles. The snow and wind were suddenly worse, and we could barely see. Should be about half a mile, I said, eyes watering from looking at the flying flakes. Right or left? I consulted the GPS. Left, there. A distinctive sign appeared out of the gathering gloom. It was only about three in the afternoon, but the sky was darkening fast. Butch had to guess at the driveway and clipped a curb, bouncing us around. No one cared. Even the prisoner didn't bitch. Rolling to a halt in a handicapped spot, Butch put the van in park and heaved a shuddering sigh. That, he pointed behind us, no fun. Since he's not given to panicking, I knew he was really flustered by the weather. I don't like driving in snow and ice, but I've never had to find... Hello? 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 
Okay. I think Delaney got dropped. I couldn't hear her. Okay. This this happens, people. This happens. This is a typical feature today. Yeah. Okay, let's see if Delaney will call back in. That was a really good uh, good excerpt. I loved it. <laughs> okay. So anybody in the chat room is more than welcome to ask Delaney questions. If you've got one, ask it. Too bad there's not music when there's a radio silence, eh? <laughs> yeah, we should definitely do something about that. We should pick out some music. They have um, sites where you can um, pick um, little samples of music. So maybe we'll yeah. do that one day. Yeah. Okay, I tried to the t- introductory music once, and it didn't quite work out. It just drowned everybody out. <laughs> so I leave that alone for now. Okay, well... Well, I hope she can come back. Yeah, she's kind of gone from the chat room too. Did you check yeah. it out? I hope she's. You know, they had a hurricane over there, so I'm assuming that maybe her power went out or something. Let's hope that's not the case. Well, if it is, we'll just reschedule. Okay, she's back. Let me patch her through. Hi. Sorry about that. My my internet went out. And with it, my phone. And, of course, my cell phone was turned off. So there that went. Had to wait for it to come back on. I'm not sure how far you heard um, because I don't know when it went out. Um, It went out with Arnie saying that was not fun. Okay. Um, Let's see. Um, Since he's not given to panicking. I knew he was really flustered by the weather. I don't like driving in snow and ice, but I've never had to find my way in a blizzard. We unloaded the prisoner, throwing a heavy blanket around him since we couldn't put a coat on him without uncuffing him, and tromped into the highway patrol office. We were greeted by the desk sergeant, the lieutenant, and the captain. None of them looked happy to see us, particularly when they saw our prisoner. Their expressions darkened after they checked the weather. No one said anything, but I knew what was running through their minds. We were all stuck here in this office until the weather cleared. And that's where I left. Oh, great. Fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You were saying that, Maurice was saying, actually, that she Uh and, was it Arnie or the other guy, Butch? Butch. She and Butch were friends with benefits at mm-hmm. one point. Now, that would be fun to write a, 
a, a retro story during that time period and have them involved with each other and a case at the same time. That would be, oh, my God, that would be. <laughs> Am I challenging you again? I don't know, but you certainly got me interested. I've written it <laughs> down. I shall not forget. I'm not sure if I'm going to get to it right away. I do want to get those two filler stories done before I, uh, and I think I'll have to bring out Trifecta to introduce Russ before I do yeah. 503. Um or work them around somehow to where they're a they're a May Reese novel instead of a Russell novel. I don't know. I, I I've got all these ideas in my head and so far nothing has really gelled. But I love this idea too. That's awesome. I I just it was just going germinating in my head that hmm, that would be really interesting to explore that time in her life. Uh-huh. Um, because a lot of that history kind of comes out in room 403. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it so does a little bit. It would be interesting. It would be interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Marta wants to know how you find time to, and space to write with the whole gang at your house. <laughs> um, like I said, I like late nights because they have to go to bed fairly early because my son gets up to go to work like around 6 or 6.30. So it gets quiet around 10 usually, and I can write. If I'm so inclined, I can write then. Other times I just kind of pick it up and do it whenever I, I have a chance. I'll get an idea and I'll, um, I'll pick up on it. I've been um, working on and off on the sequel to Bad Fall with um, Frank and Mark, Marka, and um, so it's called Bad Medicine, and it's in the works. It's it's getting close to finished. So got to wind up some loose ends in that. So it's kind of fun. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. We'll have to have you back on when that's done. Um, okay. Now, if you were to take Maurice out for dinner, uh huh, where would you take her, and why? I would take her somewhere with steak because Maurice is a steak and potato kind of girl, and so am I. Um, In fact, I would take her to Spark Steakhouse in New York City because that was the best damn steak I've ever in my life. I know that Kansas City is well known for their steaks, but I've never had a steak in Kansas City, so I don't know the quality of them. But uh, that that was an amazing restaurant. Oh, great. Okay. Um, So if you were to pair Maurice with any fiction character, Mm -hmm. who would he be? One of mine or or somebody else's? Anybody. Anybody that you would would love. Hey, Maurice would go really good with this character. Let's write an adventure. I think that Maurice and Laura would get along like gangbusters. Honest to God, I think they would have so much fun together and nobody else around them would understand at all what was going on, but they'd have a handle on it 
and there'd be corpses dropping like crazy and people getting shot at and things getting blown up, could they not have the best time ever, those two? The way that could work is if Warren is visiting Kansas for some reason. Or or Laura, Laura's in uh, Toronto and May Reese makes a trip up there for some reason. There's always that possibility, too. Yeah. I was, I was <laughs> trying to figure out how we could mix them up because May Reese is a U.S. Marshal. And mm-hmm. what, would there be a situation where she would be in Canada? I don't Probably know because I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure what the what the um, regulations and laws are concerning that. But if she were there, like doing, um, say she's come up to do a lecture series of some kind for the department that Laura worked for, and they met that way. Yeah. So it wasn't, you know, something official. But then somebody at the conference kicks the bucket and they they come across the body. Because, of course, Laura's got to find the body. And and Maryse is a bit of a corpse magnet herself, you know. (laughs) Yeah, they're both corpse magnets. That would work. We'll have to collaborate on that one. Yeah, Um, we'll have to think about that. They would just have way too freaking much fun. I know. There's there ought to be a law against it. Um, <laughs> you've written in many genres. Which one is your favorite genre? And what would you never touch again with a ten foot pole? Well, I really love romantic suspense. Um yeah. that that's that's my happy place. Um I like mysteries. And I like romance, so combining them to do romantic suspense is a whole lot of fun. Um, and I, I like stories where the action has conflict, but it's not between the two main characters, because those romances drive me absolutely buggy. Because um, oh, yeah. then you get to the end, and they're like, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you. I give it five minutes after the vows are said, and then they're going to kill each other. You know, let's get through that, and let's just do something where the the stress and tension and conflict is from outside the relationship instead of inside the relationship. So that's why I like romantic suspense. Um, I have kind of touched on horror stories a little bit. Um, I wrote a few when I was a kid, and I've written one or two slightly horror-related stories recently in the last 15 years or so, but I don't really like that. I scare easily, and if I'm up at 3 o'clock in the morning by myself writing, I don't want it to be a horror story. <laughs> I'm just I'm not into that. <laughs> no, no. I don't blame you at all. I don't write them. I don't read them. Uh, they give me the willies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Me too. If you could design your own writer's retreat, what would it look like and where would it be? Oh, wow. I would love to be somewhere, uh, you know, kind of secluded. There's, um, there's a beautiful facility here in Florida, in New Smyrna Beach, that... Um, it's the Atlantic Center for the Arts, 
and they have cabins and they do writers retreats up there and it's it's back in the woods and it's gorgeous and something like that would be a whole lot of fun uh i know some of the the bed and breakfasts around and about do them but i would want something that was more yeah i just got to have internet in order to do my uh research as i go but I want something that if I look out the window, I'm not seeing the street and people out on the river riding their uh, jet skis. I want to see wilderness and birds and all that sort of thing. So I want something like that. Not, you know, remote and isolated, but not too remote and isolated. Because then my brain starts going to... They were on a remote, isolated island when suddenly someone died. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. And then you've got like 10 little Indians or something along that line. And like, no. Don't need to do that. Authors at the writing retreat are dropping like flies. (laughs) Yeah. And it just seems so sort of cliche. But it might be kind of fun to do sort of a tongue-in-cheek. Because yeah. it is cliche, and you could use all those tired old tropes and and make just a fun, fun story that's a mystery. Yeah. You know, that I could handle, but a serious one, no. Yeah. Um, do you – oh, I was just thinking of a question to ask you. Um, you don't – you don't like using all those old tropes, though. You like coming up with something new every time. Like, I think every time I read one of your stories, it's like, well, this is new. This is different. (laughs) This is very Well, thank you. (laughs) I'm always pleasantly surprised when I pick up one of your books. Well, I appreciate that. That's one of the nicest things anybody's ever said. I like that I can surprise and entertain that that's my whole goal. I'm I'm not out to make people think deep thoughts and have profound emotions. I want them to have oh. fun and and escape a little while into this other world where all these things are going on and they can read it knowing that the main characters are going to be okay. They may get banged yeah. up, but they're not going to die. Because I don't like, I, I have killed off some characters, but I don't like doing it. And I, I had to kill off somebody in 403. I'm not going to say who, but it that upset me. I didn't want to have to do that. I've already read the book. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you've yeah. already read it, but other people haven't read it. So you know who I'm talking about. Who it was, and you know. Yeah. I really... I really struggled with that decision because when it first occurred to me, I thought, oh, I've got to kill off this person. And then I thought, no, no, I cannot do that. I can't kill him off. That would break my heart. So I killed off somebody else that didn't upset me as much but still upset me. (laughs) I think I remember now and it upset me. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I remember you said something at the time. Why did so-and-so have to die? Like, cause it, it had to be that way. It was either her or him, and I couldn't do him. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That was exactly yeah. it. Yeah. 
yes. I was just like, oh. Like I've read, I read a story. What was it? I read a story by Barry D. Henry once, and I was actually angry at him for killing off this particular person. And I sent him a message saying, "Why did you kill off so and so? I am so mad at you right now." Maybe <laughs> no. He was like. Oh well, sorry, I disappointed you, but I had to. You know, <laughs> it, it well, sometimes, you know, it sometimes it has to happen. Like, I I wrote a prequel to my Lone Wolf sci-fi series. In fact, it was my first NaNoWriMo novel, and it's called Wall of Time, and it's really quite cool. Um, but as the name suggests, there is some time travel in it in a really unique and different kind of way. But um, at one point, I had to kill off a character that I really, really, really liked. He was just this wonderful, um, just this wonderful caring man. He's fallen in love with this woman. He finds out she's pregnant. The baby's not his. Um, she's pregnant before she meets him, but he finds out that she's pregnant and he's excited about having a baby and raising her for, you know, as his own child and all this other stuff and they're making plans and they're so excited. And then he gets stuck in this situation completely uh, not of his making and he gets killed horribly. And I felt so bad doing that that I figured out a way to bring him back so that I wouldn't have to suffer him dying again because it upset me so much. It was really awful. And and you get so attached to them that Mm -hmm. even the minor ones, you don't want to get rid of. Yeah, Um, exactly. How important is it to have a writing community and how do does your writing writer friends support you? I think it's very important to have others around you that you can bounce ideas off, or like we were just doing, coming up with these weird ideas of things that that we could write together or separately. And the the writers that I know, we're all supporting each other giving each other help and ideas. Um, You know, even if we don't sit down and do write-ins together, I can still send you a message and say, hey, here's the situation, what do you think? Or I can send Christina something to read and say, what do you think of this? Do Do I need to change it up? You know, and I can do that with these various friends and ask them stuff or they can ask me stuff. Um, And I love being able to do my shows because I've met so many extraordinary people by yeah. getting on and we talk about writing and we find out how, how much we're the same as well as how different we are, what approach works for me, what approach works for them. And uh, had this wonderful guest yesterday. Her name is Esmeralda Oropesa. And she was just so much fun. And we really had a good time, and I would not have met her except for one of my other author buddies who put me in touch with her. Wow. So that was really cool, yeah. 
I've met a lot of people through, of course, doing my show and mm-hmm. doing the promotional work that I do. Yeah. And they often become guests on my show. And then mm-hmm. they introduce me to other people. But Claire in the um, chat room was saying they become part of your family in a way. Yes. Yes, very much so. There's, and they're like little extensions of yourself, you know. Yeah. It's just really funny. I, don't, I imagine that other groups like artists and musicians also have, have this feeling, but yeah. it's generally people, I mean, we're all competing for an audience, but it's not like, oh, I'm going to go write a book that's much, much better than what she wrote, and my book's going to be even better than her book. And it's not oh, like no. that. We we want everybody to do their best and be the best they can be and work together because that's really what what a community is. It's people working together towards a common goal, which is creating a good story in our case. Yeah, that's right. Um, Claire also wanted to know very quickly, do you like to use flashbacks in your book? Occasionally. I, I try to really, <clears throat> excuse me, I try to really minimize it. Too much of it can be overwhelming. So yeah. typically I won't do very much with that. Um, I did write one story called Fly by Night, which I'm sharing on my Writer Sanctuary blog. And the character's having dreams. And so that's kind of like a flashback. It's But it, these things that are, happening that she has no idea how she's in touch with these these people uh, in these moments of great stress. So, um, but that's the only book I've really done that in. Um, every once in a while I'll have uh, a paragraph or two that goes back to a conversation or something, but typically that's one thing I avoid because that can get so confusing for people yeah it can it can um that's great well you know it's gotten to the point where it's 10 minutes left do you have any advice that you would give an upcoming writer or somebody who is struggling to become a writer sure uh lots of things um the main thing that i can think of for somebody who's getting ready to to get out there and make their foray into the publishing world, remember you can publish it yourself. That is an option, and sometimes that's the best option. But for goodness sake, edit. Get somebody else to edit. Edit it again and again, and get it as close to perfect as you can get it because you want to put, especially if it's your first book, you want to put your best foot forward. And have people right. start reading it and say, oh, I love this story, and it's so well written. I, I don't like getting into a book that I'm reading where it's got this great idea, but it's so badly written, it drives me crazy. I can't stand that. So I emphasize everybody, learn what you're doing and learn how to present your story in the best possible way. That is my wow. biggest piece of advice. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, what is the best piece of advice you have ever gotten? 
Um, I always quote this guy because it was such good advice. Ken Farmer once said when we were talking about, um, you know, where the story is going and how is it going and uh, just, you know, is it going to make a good impact and all this other stuff. And he says, you know what I say to people who, who just struggle over every little word? Just finish the damn story. You can, <laughs> you can perfect it and play with it once it's done, but just finish the damn story. Yeah. And I good. think that's excellent advice. Great. Great. Um, wow, this has been really a lot of fun. Um, I'd like to thank you once again for coming on our show. And once Bad Medicine is done, we'll have to have you back on again. Okay. Um, or 503. Or um, 503, yeah. I may I may bring out trifecta. Just be aware, it may be trifecta with the other two stories first because I wish before I put out 203 that I'd published um, Spy on Love because that pulls in those characters. But I have shared it, or I am sharing it on the Books and Entertainment site. I think that's why oh. I'm sharing. No, I, I finished sharing it, yeah. So it's over there on Books and Entertainment. But, um, yeah, I will do that. I, will, I thank you so much for having me on. I love being a guest. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love being a guest, too. But I also like running the show. Um, me, too. <laughs> yeah. Join me next month, listeners, when my guest will be Susan Lynn Solomon again. She is going to be talking about her newest Emlyn Good mystery, Shooting Pars. And in the meantime, write, read, and be happy. <laughs>